Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. Probably one of the biggest heartbreaks for adult children is the loss of a relationship that they have with their parent when that's all they really want. And so much of why folks sometimes struggle to have relationships with their parents when they themselves become adults is because their parents might be struggling with difficulties in validating them or difficulties with communication. And the term that is pretty consistent in our field as mental health providers is emotionally immature parents. And recently on TikTok, there's been a whole phenomenon of content created around emotionally immature parents, how to be in relationship with them, whether or not you should be in relationship with them. And this is a subject that's really near and dear to one of the folks on my team, Kayla Tricasso. Kayla is our intake specialist. She is also our office manager. Kayla's been working with me for almost seven years now, and she's in school to become a therapist herself, and she's about halfway through that journey. So I wanted to invite Kayla in today to talk a little bit about emotionally immature parents and what do we do about that? So Kayla, thank you so much for being here. I'm really grateful that you uh, brought this idea up to to discuss it. It's such an important topic. How did you find yourself to be so curious about this phenomenon? It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I think talking about family structures and dynamics and systems is so important because it's a lot of what shapes who we are, how we see ourselves, how we show up relationally. So when I was coming across a lot of TikToks about these conversations, I was finding it so fascinating because it's a dynamic that isn't overtly, it's harder to identify as harmful or abusive or neglectful. And I find that those kinds of dynamics, whether it's in family systems or like covert traumas, like these are some of really important things to talk about because people experience them, but they don't necessarily have the language until, you know, when they're an adult in therapy or until they see a TikTok that they're like, oh, wow, that was my experience. So I think bringing conversation around these more nuanced topics is really important because there's a reason why people are relating to these TikToks so much. It is a pretty common um, family dynamic, whether it's intentional or not. And it's just something that I feel very passionate about talking about, but this article in particular, I wanted to talk to the parents because there is a lot of information out there for the adult child. And that's obviously very important, but I was seeing less gentle and, or even neutral information for the parent who might be struggling with emotional maturity or emotional immaturity. So that's a big reason why I wrote this article, but also specifically tailored it to be speaking to the parent versus the adult child. Right. You recently wrote an article on our blog. What was it called? Um, A gentle? Yeah, it was a gentle letter to emotionally immature parents. 
Yeah, which I really appreciate so much that you wrote this piece because there was on TikTok a lot of backlash from parents saying, my children have gone no contact with me. I don't know what to do. Why is this my fault? I was a good parent. And I think a lot of parents who do find themselves on the receiving end of this conflict really don't, they don't have a lot of um, awareness and and self-awareness around it. And it makes it really hard and really painful for them to find a resolution. Um, And the fact that they don't have that knowledge can amplify the adult children's pain. Yeah, a very common narrative that I kept seeing that I, I thought was really important to highlight is this idea that, well, what do you mean your childhood wasn't great? I provided everything for you. You had a roof over your head. You had food on the table. You had clean clothes on your back. And this conversation is not to dismiss the importance of all of those things, like the these necessities that parents provide or the material that parents provide. These are important for a child's well-being. So in this conversation, it's not taking any of that away. It's just acknowledging that there was still something that was missing. And two things can be true at the same time. You could have provided beautifully in all of the other departments of of providing the material needs that your child has. And there might've been something that was missed. And there's very real reasons why that happens. It is not because the parent is evil or bad. Um, There's very real reasons why that happens um, or why a parent kind of shows up in that way. But I think that it's important to acknowledge that no one is trying to take away the hard work that you did, the things that you provided for your child. There's just a little bit more to the conversation that needs to happen. And that part of what's missing in people is the piece that needs acknowledged for a lot of people. That that part that's missing is what feels is the pain point. So let's talk about that. Let's dive into defining emotional immaturity when it comes to parents, right? We, we all have emotionally immature parts, right? And gosh, just over the weekend, I had a wild regression. It was incredibly embarrassing. But you know, sometimes it happens. And I don't think that anyone is expecting parents to always be their maturest best selves. But there do seem to be some pretty common themes that we hear a lot in practice that folks talk about in the content they create, that really does help to shape out, as you said, what's been missing with parents who perhaps have a little bit more emotional immaturity in their parenting style. So how are you defining and and conceptualizing some of those common behaviors that accompany emotionally immature parents? Yeah, I kind of see it as like the way that you can relate to yourself and your own internal experience, as well as the emotions and experiences of others. So someone who lacks emotional maturity might have a hard time empathizing or even just seeing someone's point of view. They might have a little bit more of a hard time um, accepting that something was hurtful. So when you come to them and say, hey, this thing really hurt my feelings, their reaction to that might be to shift the blame back onto you. They, they struggle with kind of regulating their own emotional, um, their own emotions, especially if those emotions are kind of like anger or jealousy or resentment, these a um, little bit more challenging emotions to deal with. So the way I understand it is that, you know, when someone is a child, their parent is not able to kind of meet them where they're at or meet them with where their emotions are at. So when their child is sad, 
if the parent struggles to deal with those more complicated emotions, they might just tell their kid, oh, relax, or there's kids out there who don't have food, or, you know, you have nothing to cry about, suck it up. And this, there's this lack of acknowledgement that maybe there's not a reason that I'm feeling this way, but can that be okay? It just, it creates this mm -hmm. sense that, you know, the parent can't deal with the emotions. So I am seeing that as a child, I, I have to, I, yeah, I should shut up. I should find another way to deal with this. This emotion is not being held. It's not being accepted. So I have to find another way to, to deal with that. So it might be pushing it down. It might be, um, trying to find other ways to control. So like maybe eating disorders or maybe finding like getting into substances, like finding other ways to regulate because you're not getting that emotional attunement and regulation from your parent. And I think that's really key. So what a lot of folks maybe don't know, maybe they know it like implicitly and, and intuitively, but we rarely consciously talk about the phenomenon that occurs as we mature. And when we're infants, we really borrow the emotional regulation skills of our parents to regulate ourselves. That is a normal, healthy expectation when children are young to have their parents sort of serve as that rod of emotional regulation. So when a parent doesn't have the capacity to appropriately regulate their own emotions or hold space for their child's, then that child takes on a tremendous amount of that labor, that emotional labor in a disproportionate way and ends up either not knowing how to regulate themselves because they've not had that modeled for them, or they learn how to overfunction, right? And they start serving as the regulating person for their parents. So that's a big way that I see it show up for adult children. But I, I hear what you're saying and also want to just highlight that some of the things you've mentioned are difficulty with accountability is one way that it shows up. Um, being dismissive or invalidating toward the emotional experiences of the child, blame shifting, which goes along with that accountability piece, and really not knowing how to hold space, I would say, for for the other for the child's process. And what does that mean? It means just like bearing witness without judgment and without needing to push someone through an emotional experience, mm -hmm. but being there with them. And that's a really powerful tool to pass along to children. So a lot of emotionally mature parents never got that from their parents. And it's really hard to teach and do what you've never learned to do on your own. Absolutely. I, I think that's a really important thing to mention is that it's a lot of times not a parent going out of their way to harm their child. And I think that's where this conversation gets a little bit heated because I think for a lot of parents, their parenting is so close to home, obviously. Like you birth this child, you're raised or you're raising them, you are, you know, trying to put this person out into the world and you want to know that you did a good job at that. You want to know that you um and for most people they want to know that they succeeded. And to hear that even if it's just one aspect of parenting that was maybe missing or could have been a little bit better, it's almost like it's being heard as, I was awful. I was a terrible parent. I wasn't perfect. And going back to what you said earlier is like, I don't think anyone is looking for someone to be a perfect parent. We all understand that we are humans and that we're going to make mistakes and that we don't know what we don't know. Like you said, a lot of times we don't you know, you, 
if you don't have those skills, if you don't, if you've never been modeled how to handle that, um, if it wasn't done for you, it can be really hard to present that way or show up that way mm-hmm. for your own children. So just want to keep acknowledging that, at least for me, it's important to mention that I'm not trying to demonize parents. I don't think most people are trying to demonize parents who might have a little bit less emotional maturity. It's just that this part was missing and there's ways that still that can be rectified. It doesn't mean you were a bad parent, end of story. There's ways that this can be rectified. There's ways that this can be repaired and really beautiful conversations that can happen between parent and child that can connect them in ways that they maybe not even knew were possible. Like that closeness can build from these conversations. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the biggest gifts of repair in relationships Mm -hmm. is the ability to get closer to somebody that you care about. And what can be really challenging for parents who find themselves in this space with their adult children is that usually on some level, they experience so much shame about what they perceive as being an error in their parenting or an accusation of bad parenting, like you said. And just that black and white thinking, right? I was either a great parent or I'm a terrible parent is a part of the emotional immaturity because nobody's all good or all bad. We are all wildly imperfect. And it is the repair when we have an imperfect moment that actually strengthens the bond that we have But being able to repair requires being able to tolerate the shame or discomfort or embarrassment of, oh God, I messed up. I did something that hurt my child, or I said something that was really insensitive. Why did I do that? And and being willing and able to be self-examining in those moments, which is really challenging for people who haven't yet developed those skills. But that is the good news. We can develop more maturity when we start to get more curious about ourselves. And that can be a point of um, opportunity for people with their adult children. So let's talk about why some parents become less mature than others or more emotionally immature than others. Yeah, I, I think a big part of it is their own experiences growing up. I think that for a lot of parents who um, then struggle with emotional maturity, a lot of times it seems like it's because that was lacking in their own development, in their own um, family of origin, their own primary relationship figures and attachment figures. Um, So uh, kind of like we already said, there's not that modeling there. There's not that those experiences that they can pull from and think, oh, when I was going through that breakup and my heart was broken I had my mom there and she hugged me and she told me it was going to be okay. Or when I scraped my knee, I remember mom hugged me and, and put a bandaid on it and gave me a kiss. They're, they don't have those experiences to pull from. So when it's happening to their own children or when situations like that come up with their chi- their children, they just are reenacting what they know. We kind of reenact what's familiar unless we've kind of become aware, unless we've really introspected and thought about our own childhoods and what was missing. And for a lot of people in older generations, that's like, it's not promoted to do that. Like for a lot of people, I mean, I'm a millennial. So when I was in like college, I started hearing a lot about mental health. I was hearing it was okay to not be okay. It's okay to go to therapy. If you're depressed, don't go to class. Like more people were talking about mental health. And I want to acknowledge that I understand that for people of older generations, that kind of 
acceptance was not there. So they're also bumping into a lot of stigma around uncomfortable feelings and like how, like just in general, how they feel like for a lot of people um, in Gen X and higher, they just are operating from their own family systems where their emotions were not attuned to, were not accepted, were dismissed, gaslighted, ignored, whatever it is. And then because they are coming into parenthood without examining any of that a lot of times, that's when things I think become a little bit tricky in how to handle them when it comes to your own children. That education's not there and that awareness isn't there. Absolutely. I also think there's a bit of um, a defended perspective, right? I hear a lot of parents say things like, well, I got less than that from my parents and I turned out just fine. Or my parents were worse and I turned out okay. When emotionally immature parents are confronted with what they were not able to give their children or whatever their children may have experienced as a mismatch in attunement, in order to really be accountable to that, I think most of those parents have to start looking at what did they not get from their parents or what was hurtful in their own experience of being raised. And for a lot of folks, it can be really painful, especially if their parents maybe aren't around anymore, to challenge this idea of the childhood that they had because without the emotional maturity and capacity to really look inward at those experiences, they might kind of feel generationally sandwiched and stuck between this pain. If they address it with their kids, they have to validate what they didn't get for themselves. And that might just cause a whole mountain of discomfort inside that they don't know what to do with, right? And for a lot of folks in that space, I often hear them saying things like, I don't want to go down that road. I'm, I don't want to rehash anything. I'm fine. My life is okay. And I really hear and, and, and respect that. And at the same time, when their relationships with their adult children are really suffering, I sort of wonder what's, what would, what would incite them to have a different approach? I think that narrative of let's not go into the past is pretty common too. That's something that I've seen on a lot of these TikToks of like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Why are we spending so much time in the past if there is nothing I can do about it now? And I hear that, like, I understand where that might be coming from. And I would just say that there's so much healing in the present that can happen when we kind of examine the past and kind of look at where those pain points are and if there is something that can be done about that if your parent is still alive and if you still have a relationship with them if you if it's not too harmful for your mental health to have a relationship with them then going into the past can actually really help and i understand like the pain that might be behind that and the other feelings like shame or embarrassment that might be behind that. But I would gently um, invite parents maybe to sit with that discomfort or kind of imagine what it would be like to have those conversations because a little bit of discomfort now, knowing that that could potentially improve the relationship with your child, I think that can maybe be a motivator for just allowing yourself to maybe get a little bit uncomfortable with that discomfort and have those conversations. Yeah. I think that if your adult child is willing to sit down with you and have this conversation, 
the power of knowing that you are willing to hold space mm-hmm. for them today in the here and now mm-hmm. is one of the biggest antidotes to a lot of the pain that these adult children are sitting with because really they just want to be validated. They want to understand that that their parent understands the impact that the behavior has had on them. They, they're not trying to shame their parent or tell their parent that they are bad or horrible or any of the things. They want to just be treated like a human being and have their, their experience witnessed and validated. And so many of the adult children I work with will say things like, I just want my parent to say, oh, I didn't realize that and I'm sorry. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Right? And and to then stop the invalidation moving forward, right? Because an apology without changed behavior is manipulation. But I think it's important, right? Like just sort of like thinking through if you can get a handle on the defensiveness that might show up and are you willing to listen? That can sometimes be all that's really required to make a shift. Yeah, and I think too just knowing maybe that nothing has to be fixed overnight because these are very complicated conversations, very complicated dynamics. So I think too, it's important to note that if your child is coming to you trying to have this conversation, they're most likely not expecting changes to be made immediately. They, they understand that you are a human. They've likely done their own um, work in therapy to understand the con- the context around why things might have been the way that they were in their family. So for a lot of a lot of children, adult children are coming to their parents with that contextually in the background, and know that you've likely didn't have what they what they were missing too in childhood. You likely um, have ways in which you're struggling or might have experienced trauma in your own family dynamic, and they're not expecting you to become a different person overnight. And in fact they may not even be expecting you to become a different person. There are things, you're their parent, there are likely things that they really adore about you and love. It's just, if there can be some repair around what didn't happen or just acknowledgement even and validation, that can go such a long way. It's just, it can really just connect parent and child in a way that is so beautiful and in a way that when you experience it, I think it, is just special. Like it's a special kind of connection when two people can really come together, be on the same page, acknowledge how each other is feeling and just connect. That is such a beautiful experience that I think parents and child and children could potentially have through these conversations. I think so too. And what you said just now reminded me that a lot of folks who are part of the boomer or maybe the earlier Gen X generation mm-hmm took an approach to parenting that was more authoritarian and more hierarchical. Mm -hmm. So there was this belief that the parents had the ultimate power and authority. And when we're really little, of course, Mm -hmm. but as people become adults and they, they relate to their parents in different ways, some parents have a really hard time of letting go of that sort of hierarchy of power. And that's what gets in the way of them being able to hold space for their kids because they don't think one, they should have to, they think it shows a sign of weakness, but they're really missing out in my opinion on the ability to be a role model for how to apologize. And that can really be super important for their children because if 
kids grow up having their parents say to them, I'm sorry, I messed up. That models a level of humility and willingness to grow and to be flexible and to know that it's safe to be somebody who makes mistakes sometimes. And a lot of the adult children that we work with will find themselves in romantic relationships and they adopt the rigidity of that authoritarian parenting style that they were raised with, especially when it comes to things like being accountable and apologizing or getting defensive with their partners. So the effects of the the parenting style really show up later in life for these adult children. So when emotionally immature parents start to do this work, they get to continue being a really amazing role model for their kids as adults, because a lot of adults kind of get to adulthood and they're like, oh my gosh, who are my role models? Well, how do I do this? What's this adulting thing? This is hard. And when they don't have that kind of relationship with their parents, where their parents model how to be functional adults and really, um, adults that are uh, interested in mutuality and relationships, sometimes those kids have a really hard time forming effective relationships with other people. Yeah. And speaking of the ways that this can kind of impact for the child of emotionally immature parents can affect their adult relationships. I, I think that that's something important to talk about too. I, for, from what I've seen with what people have said on TikTok and just people in my own life who have kind of had similar family dynamics there's kind of like, I've noticed relational patterns that come up usually kind of attached to the schemas that are developed when you have a lack of emotional attunement growing up. And that is my needs don't matter. It's my needs are less important. And one way that I kind of continue to see this play out for from what I've heard from people is they just completely neglect their own needs then. And then that continues on into adult relationships. And they might even be dating, married, in partnership with someone who is similarly not attuning. And that just kind of perpetuates this this belief that people can develop that my needs don't matter. I need to be as small as possible, as quiet as possible. I can't set boundaries there. I This is just how it is. And I think that that can not only affect the way that someone can be emotionally connected to their partner, but also sexually. If you are someone who feels like your needs don't matter, you might be engaging in sex that is not conducive to the kind of sex you want to be having, or you might be placating, you might be having a fawn response or just like engaging in sex because you know that's something that your partner wants. And I think that is something very important to talk about too, just like the way that those early relationships, those early dynamics kind of sneak into our adult relationships and that cycle just kind of keeps getting perpetuated. Absolutely. I really am so grateful that you brought up the idea of fawning because when we do have a parent with less emotionally developed approaches to parenting, oftentimes kids find themselves really afraid to approach that parent. And like you said, they start to believe their needs don't matter. They often learn to self-abandon right? Because they're so invested in tracking their parents' mood that they don't really develop the skill of attuning to themselves. Because remember, developmentally, we learn how to attune to ourselves based on how our parents attune to us. Mm -hmm. So when parents don't model this attunement for their kids, they often are unconsciously and unwittingly setting their kids up to be around and to tolerate abusive dynamics in romantic relationships. Because those kids 
learn again to focus on the other person and and self-abandon. So they're not as readily apt all the time to take action if there is um, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or something going on that feels uncomfortable or unsafe for them in their adult relationships. Let's talk a little bit about how somebody should navigate a situation or might navigate a situation if they are trying to engage their emotionally immature parent into some kind of conversation, but that parent is resistant to hearing about how their behavior impacted the adult child. Yeah, I I would say first and foremost, kind of always be checking in with yourself and like what you can tolerate, because I don't think it gets productive if we keep trying to have the same conversation and like nothing is happening and then that can make you feel defeated. So I I feel like one, checking in with yourself to make sure that you have the capacity emotionally and energy to kind of have these conversations. And I think it helps to recognize that these conversations are not a one and done conversation. They often are going to happen slowly and over time and that is also to be expected if you do have a parent that meets you with a little bit more defensiveness because those defenses are coming up because you're not attacking them but it can feel like that to the nervous system it can feel like that that they are under attack that they are being accused of being a horrible parent and even if that is not at all what you're trying to say that defensiveness around that can really prolong these conversations so the first conversation that you have with them might be jarring, it might be upsetting, but it at least starts the conversation and you can kind of get a sense from there, you can kind of get a sense from there how to approach it next time. And just, I think being able to, it, it can take a lot of a, a lot of like emotional attunement with yourself, but being able to understand that it's gonna take a while for them maybe to catch on to what you're saying or to have openness to what you're saying and you yourself staying regulated can be a really important part of that conversation and that can be really hard because if you are being invalidated if your parent is kind of meeting you with oh well i guess i wasn't a perfect parent and that can kind of cause defensiveness in you so what makes these conversations really helpful is if everyone can get a little bit more comfortable with dropping their defenses or placing them to the side and showing up humbly showing up you know ready to take to go with the conversation wherever it takes you and i think acknowledging to when the conversation isn't working and maybe circling back to it another time because it is most likely not going to help if you keep trying to um force the conversation to happen with a parent that just is not ready. It is going to frustrate you. It is maybe going to push them further away from seeing your point of view. So I, I really think that at the, the heart of these conversations is openness, patience, and empathy. And if you can kind of sit with those things in yourself, that is all that you can do. You cannot ultimately make your parent see the see your perspective the way that you're seeing it. You have no control over if they're going to empathize with you. But if you can show up in that regulated way, in a way that enables conversation to happen, that is calm, that is not accusatory, it is, from what I've seen, far better of an outcome in terms of getting them to at least kind of move closer to your side. Yeah. And for parents who are being approached by their adult children, 
what would you say are three to five things they can do to prepare themselves for the conversation so that it has the best possible outcome um, of repair and healing with their adult child? Yeah, I would say a big one is having an open mind and heart to hearing things that you might not agree with, but potentially things that you don't believe. And it's that is your you know choice and prerogative to not believe what your child is saying, but that doesn't change that that is their experience and that is what they are coming to you with. So the invalidation, I think, is what really disconnects parent and child when they do come to you. These conversations are very hard to have. This your child has likely been preparing for this conversation for a very long time. They didn't just wake up likely and say, I'm gonna talk to my parent about my childhood today. So just having an open mind that you might hear things that you don't agree with or potentially don't believe, but that that doesn't mean that your child didn't experience that. Um, I think having a willingness to ask them what they need from you like how can things get better? Like having a curiosity for, okay, this happened. There's nothing I can do about that. Is there something I can do better? Or what do you need from me? Having a desire to want to show up for your child in the way that would be helpful for them. You can't change the past, but how can you show up now? I think that can go a long way. And I also just think to trying to see things from your child's perspective or just like trying to have empathy for what they're feeling because like I said even if you can't you don't see things their way they're still hurting they've still come to you wanting to try to repair something and I think just having that openness having the ability to find that empathy for them can just go a a very long way I agree a lot of parents who find themselves approached by their adult children will say things, and we've already alluded to this, like, oh, my my child is ungrateful, or they think I'm a terrible parent, or this is just me being accused of X, Y, Z, my, you know, all the things that we've mentioned. So a bit of a reframe here is to think about how much your child really loves you and cares about you, that they are willing to have this really hard conversation with you. And as Kaylee, you mentioned, they've likely been thinking about this for a long time. I mean, I've worked with hundreds of people now around this healing work and the the amount of struggle that adult children go through, even trying to bring something to their parents' attention, but to do that repeatedly and over and over again when they are not met is really a a, a specific brand of torture (laughs) for an adult child. So the fact that they are coming to you and they're really trying to get you to see their side and trying to help you understand what it means to them to have had the kind of relationship with you that they've had, that, in my opinion, is an indicator that they really, really want a relationship with you. And they're willing to sit in excruciating pain to forage a path forward into that healthier relationship with you. So if maybe that helps to kind of sit in the discomfort a little bit more to think, wow, my kid loves me so much that they're willing to go through this discomfort with me. I mean, that can be a a big step in opening space for each other. Um, And I also think it's really important to either work with a therapist or 
find some books or podcasts that you can listen to around this topic. Talk to some of the other parents um, or, or peers your own age who maybe have had some, some difficult times with their adult children, but they've had some repair in those relationships. Um, talk to a priest, a pastor, anybody that you really trust who might be able to help you hold space for the hard feelings that are going to come up for you around this. Um, because that, again, has been something your, your adult child has likely been doing for you and is potentially and very likely something they want you to take back as your responsibility. And that's a part of what opens up space for a different kind of dynamic with your adult child that really is rich and, and full, which is what I think most parents and kids want for their years together on this planet. Absolutely. 1000%. I very much agree with the idea that, you know, your child coming to you wanting to have this conversation, especially if you look at it from the sense that a lot of times the, the adult children struggle with advocating for themselves. They struggle with, with even in their most trusting relationships, struggle with saying, here's what I need. So the fact that they are willing to sit with like, if, and if you're someone who struggles with this, you know how uncomfortable it can be to even ask for the smallest thing. So coming to just if that can help, like acknowledging that your your child is incredibly uncomfortable, likely with this conversation. But like you said, they love you that much that they are willing to sit with that discomfort and all for the sake of improving the relationship. To me, I feel like that screams that the, the child loves you and that they want a, a more connective and authentic relationship with you. That's like kind of another important thing that I, I think can come from these relationships or these conversations is authenticity. If your child can show up and be there, be more authentic, like that is healing for them. There's a lot of ways in which they've probably been showing up in the relationship that might not be authentic to who they are or what they or who, like what they want. So you're also going to get a more authentic version of your child who is going to be able to be more honest with you, be more connected to you ultimately because they can feel safe now to be themselves. Mm -hmm. Couldn't have said it better. You and I both love this book. This is a really popular book in, in the mental health community, um, Adult Children of Emotionally Im Immature Parents. What is it that you like about this book? Is so comprehensive in all of the different ways that emotionally immature uh, parenting can affect a child. It is written more for the adult child. It is called Adult, chi uh, adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. But um, it goes way more in depth than we have time to in this podcast. There's a couple different types of emotionally immature parents, and it kind of goes into the different styles that that plays out and the different ways then then that um, a child might develop personality-wise. So it is so much more in-depth than we have time for here, but it is a really, really great resource if you're looking to go a little bit deeper and identify if this is something that you've been experiencing. Um, and I think to paths forward. She does a really good job at kind of um, offering suggestions on how you can reparent yourself, how you can heal your inner child, how you can sh learn how to show up for yourself and after all the years of self-abandonment. So I think it's a great resource for those that are looking to just have a thorough way of kind of diving into this topic deeper. Yeah. You, you sent over a couple of quotes from this book in preparation for our conversation today. Do you want to read one of them? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll read one that is one of my favorite quotes from this book, but it goes, when you're going through a breakdown, a good question to ask is what is actually breaking down. We usually think it's ourself, but what's typically happening is that our struggle to deny our emotional truth is breaking down. Emotional distress is a signal that it's getting harder to remain emotionally unconscious. It means we're about to discover our true selves underneath all that story business. And I love this quote so much, kind of in, because of what I was just talking about, is that one way that you can experience um, emotionally immature parenting is that it can um, cut you off from your own internal experience, your own needs. You can feel very disconnected from your authentic emotions, from your true self. You kind of learn that it is safer to bury all of that underneath because it has been proven to be dismissed or unsafe or invalidated to show up in that way. So when little chisels start to make their way into the true self and these little hints of yourself start to shine through the cracks, it can sometimes look what to someone who had these kind of relationship dynamics messy or like I'm I, there's something wrong with me. I'm being messy. I'm the mask is falling. But I think that this happening a reframe that I, I love about these kinds of situations is that that is your true self coming to light. That is, you are no longer able to sit with the neglect of yourself and that those little bits of anger, those, that little bit of, um, that little bit of anger is what I think can just allow you to really express yourself and, when you go through these kinds of dynamics, you're not used to that. So it can feel really disorienting. It can feel like you're doing something wrong. But I think that these kinds of, she calls them breakdowns, I think that they can be really helpful in showing you that there's a part of yourself that is screaming for to be let out and that is screaming to be heard. And I think it can be beautiful to listen to that part of yourself and, and see what it has to say. I think so too. And coming from um, a relationship perspective, when the cracks and the pain and the discomfort between two people gets really loud, it's also an opportunity to think about a new emergence, a new consciousness within the relationship. A bit of growth comes through the anger and the grief in the cracks in that relationship facade. Because until we really address these things, we are sort of living under a veneer of a relationship. And that veneer can get heavy and it can stifle authenticity. It can stifle the development of really rich, deep connections with people. And it's painful, right? We're not, we are not destined to be folks who do not live and who do not feel. So the discomfort that an adult child and their parent experience when they're working through this, again, that reframe is think about it as the emergence of a healthier, stronger, reparative relationship is trying to push through that limiting frame that, that it's been living under for a while. Well, thank you so much, Kayla. I love talking with you about this subject and hope that was helpful for anyone listening who can relate. So feel free to check out that book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant Rejecting or Self-Involved Parents by Lindsay Gibson. It's one of my favorites and great for adult children, but also really useful for parents who want to get a better perspective on what their children are talking about or what they've experienced without maybe wanting to be in that 
in the moment with that information the first time they're learning about it so that they can process the defensiveness that they're experiencing or the anger that might come up or the, the, the feelings around it. I think it's a great tool for parents actually. And when they give themselves permission to sort of read about it and have the big reactions first, then they can have a, a little bit more openness and patience with their child. All right. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.